faster. Can you hear me? The microphone on? Testing, testing. Testing? Testing, testing. Yay. Uh, good morning, everyone. Is it clear? Not too loud, not too soft? I want to thank Pastor for the privilege of speaking. Uh, I do it with fear and trembling every week, every time I speak. But uh, Pastor was, uh, when we meet, sometimes we meet, the first time we, uh, I spoke, I think we met for like four lunches and we kept on revising and revising and revising. I think Pastor was very tired of it after, after all of that. So let me just put up the microphone. Uh, as you can tell, I like to come to the front closer to the, to the audience because I don't like to be up there. I feel a bit far away from you. So today, we're going to continue on in the series from Proverbs. We're going to talk about the evil of envy. And you know, we're all guilty of envy at different times of our lives. Sometimes it's things that are pretty small and we feel like it's so petty, we feel a bit ungrateful. But other times, envy reveals a deep longing in our hearts, longings that are legitimate, longings that seem almost natural Longings that, that it, makes, it almost feels like, why can't I be envious? Because these are real, legitimate longings. So to prepare for this sermon, I spoke to a couple of my friends and I talked to people to ask them about their struggles with envy. I also spoke to them to understand from their perspective what they thought about envy. And one of my friends was wrongfully terminated from his job. Uh, he was accused of something that he didn't do. Uh, it was someone who was malicious, and he lost his job. And for many months, he struggled to find a job because he couldn't get a refer reference because he was terminated. And so he became very envious of other people that had stable jobs, that were moving on, that were buying homes. And he was in his 40s, and he was still renting a room. He struggled with envy. Another friend of mine uh, had a heart attack in his 40s and while he was still recovering, his sister was diagnosed with cancer and he cried out and said, God, why me? Why do I have such poor health? Why is this happening to us? And he looked to others. And another friend um, confessed to me that he struggles very much when he attends weddings. When he attends weddings, he feels very depressed, and he tells God, God, I long also for relationships that I see with other people. Now, these are real longings 
These are legitimate longings. And so it's not an easy topic. I struggle with this topic of envy. And I hope that Scripture will speak to us today. So we are going through the series on envy. And I have the privilege of speaking after a host of others have spoken on this topic. We covered wisdom. We feared a lot. We covered pride. Uh, that was Pastor Chiming. And then Pastor Kevin covered temper and patience. And Raj, who's not here today, I believe he's on his way to Vietnam, covered the tongue. And I will cover envy. And I really enjoyed what Raj shared last week. And I tried my very best to speak economically uh, and to speak thoughtfully. So I'll try to keep this sermon very, very short. <laughs> I know people are very happy to hear that. So I'll, there'll be three parts of my uh, sermon. I'm going to first cover what is envy. Because a lot of us say the word envy, but I want to make sure that we, are, we agree on what it means. And then I will cover the effects of envy, because envy is indeed evil. And lastly, I will talk about how we overcome envy. But first, let us read from Proverbs. Uh, I'll read first from Proverbs 14, 30. What do we read together? One, two, three. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Proverbs 23, verse 17 to 18. Let's read. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. I'll return to these verses later, but I want to just read this first. But let us go to the first part of the sermon. What is envy? Now, envy here is defined as a feeling of discontented or resentful longing that's aroused by someone else's superior possessions, qualities, or circumstances. It's a feeling of discontented or resentful longing that's aroused by someone else's superior possessions, qualities, or circumstances. So there are two parts here. The first part, there must be a longing. You want something else or someone else's life, a part of their life that you think is superior. But very important, there's a second part. There must be discontentment and resentment. So envy is both. A longing which can be legitimate. But the part that is very troublesome is the discontentment and the resentment. So keep this in mind as we look at the word, as we look at envy. So envy is a fruit of the flesh. In Galatians, we can see that it, it's part of the fruit of the flesh. We have sexual immorality, debauchery, and also envy. It's also the opposite of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. So it's the opposite of love. And finally, love, sorry, envy occurs. Envy occurs as a mark of someone that's given away by God to sin. When someone gives away, when God gives away someone to sin, it's a mark of the unbeliever. And in this case, they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed and depravity, and they are full of envy. So this is what envy is, and so I'm referring to a specific type of envy where there's longing, but also tremendous discontent and resentment at others. So this is envy, but 
I want to first address uh, also jealousy. Because as I was reading envy, I asked myself, if envy is the same as jealousy, then why do we have a God that's jealous? What is wrong here? Well, as I read the scriptures, I discovered that jealousy has two parts. Jealousy can have a positive meaning, but also a negative meaning. When jealousy is used negatively, it's synonymous with envy, where you have a resentment, you have uh, a sense of resentment uh, or discontent that someone else has something superior. That's synonymous to envy. But at the same time, jealousy also has a positive connotation. And when it's used in a positive sense, it is uh, jealousy is when someone carefully guards something that is dear to him or her. So, so in the same way, you know, no dedicated spouse or husband, so dedicated husband or wife, wants to share their loved ones with a third party. You guard your spouse, your wife, because you don't want to share it. In the same way, God is a jealous God because we are His and He does not want to share us with anyone else. Hence, this is the positive connotation of jealousy. But today, we're not talking about jealousy. We're going to focus on envy, which is the negative side of it. Is that all right? So, I've spoken about what is envy, and I want to focus on the effects of envy. And we read this verse, Proverbs 14, 30. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Envy rots the bones. What this implies is that envy doesn't only just harm you on your surface, on the skin. It goes deep within. Envy destroys whatever you have inside. It poisons your mind. It poisons your heart. And so it is deep, deep within. And the first thing that envy does is this. Number f- the first thing, it sucks the joy out of your life. It sucks the joy out of your life. Now, Pastor Chiming talked about pride, Kevin talked about temper, and Raj talked about uh, your tongue. To be honest, all these things actually give you some pleasure, right? You know, pride can give you pleasure because you're proud of whatever you're, you're proud. And temper, when you release your anger, when you shout, you scream, you bang tables, it's a release. There's some pleasure in it. And finally, oh, the tongue. Of course, you can gossip, you can say malicious things, you can whisper, and people do it because it's pleasurable. But envy is a very unfair slave master. It takes and takes and takes and does not give us anything in return. So from the very moment you have envy, it sucks away all joy. So... It's a bit unfair, right? The rest of them, you get a bit of pleasure. But envy, my friends, takes away all joy from the very moment you have it. So I'm not saying to you, go and have pride, go and have, temp- go and have a temper, go, have a- go and say something bad. But I'm just telling you that envy is really an unyielding taskmaster. It takes and takes and sucks joy from the very beginning. So it's quite a crappy sin to have. But from the very beginning, it sucks to joy. And one thing that stuck with me in my mind, uh, a long time ago, uh, after 
uh, we had our A-level results, uh, with my classmates. We had a reunion. After our results were over, after we had made plans, I came back together with my classmates from JC. And over, over a meal, we were talking about our plans for the future. And one of my classmates looked increasingly more and more disturbed. He looked really sullen. So after the meal, I went up to him and privately asked him, uh, what's wrong? What's wrong? Well, he shared with me, uh, Josh, uh, I have a scholarship to go overseas. I have a Singapore government scholarship. And so I was wondering in my mind, what's wrong with that? But he said, but I'm not satisfied because one of our classmates has a Singapore Overseas Merit Scholarship. It became very apparent to me, and still is today, that was 20 plus years ago, that this envy sucked the joy out of my friend completely, that he could not rejoice or even celebrate the fact that he has a scholarship to go overseas, but that he had a scholarship that was inferior to someone else's. And so it sucked his joy from the very moment it became into his life. So, envy is an evil taskmaster. It sucks the joy out of your life. But beyond that, envy leads to idolatry. Envy leads to idolatry. And also, envy exposes what we truly idolize in our heart. Let me give you an example. Uh, of how this envy led to idolatry. Uh, the story of uh, King David and, well, he wasn't king yet, it was David and Saul. So Saul was king, and David was his trusted general. And normally, when you have a general that is mighty in battle, that is a great thing, because you want to be victorious. But what happens when the women came back after David won his military battles? They came back, that women sang this phrase, Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his ten thousands. Envy crept in into the object of envy here was his envy of uh, David's success. But beyond that, his envy of the praise of men, the praises of the women, that began to eat into his life. It began to eat into Saul's life, and he became an idol. And this idol slowly overtook his life, and it led him into insanity, it led him into, into murderous thoughts, and he wanted to kill David with all his heart. So this, the object of our envy, will become an idol, because it is where you put your affection, it is where you put your security, is put, where you put your significance in. And so envy, the evil taskmaster, sucks our joy. It becomes an idol. But lastly, I would say that envy, in its true form, in its true form, will lead to murder. Uh, and in the case of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, envy was a big reason why he was crucified. You may ask why. So as I pondered this, Jesus came into the world and he preached the good news. He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. 
He raised the dead. But why did the Pharisees want to kill him so badly? Why? And you know, the, the surprising thing is that it was Pontius Pilate who gave the, the, the simple summary. Pontius Pilate said this. Pontius Pilate, he, Pontius Pilate, perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. It was out of envy that they wanted to kill Jesus. The chief priests said when they saw all the crowds moving to Jesus and waiting to hear from Him, they said this, look, the whole world has gone after Him. The whole world has gone after Him. We must kill Him. Now, I don't think many of us will physically go out and kill someone. Uh, I don't think that will happen for most of us today. I hope for none of us today. But I can tell you that the truth is that there are so many instances in Scripture that envy, once it leads to become an idol, once it grips you, it leads to murder. When you kill people with the words that you say, when you kill them with your thoughts, when you kill them with your actions, and you hope that they will slowly die. So, evil, this evil taskmaster will lead to murder, maybe not physically, but certainly in intention. So, I wanted to go through this to make it clear that envy is not harmless. It is not something petty that you can brush aside. It is indeed evil because from the very moment that it grips you, it will take away your joy and it will cause you to rot at your bones. But I have good news, everyone. We have good news. So can you pat the person on the left or right and say to them, we have good news. There's good news. It's not all bad. And the good news is this. The good news is that Jesus Christ died because of envy. But because of that, He can deliver us from the same envy that killed Him. And that is the promise that we have in Him today. Uh, some of you know that I used to live in Nigeria. I lived there for under four years. And Nigeria has many good things, I think, going for it. It has a great... Uh, the people are great. They're vibrant. They're welcoming. They're really vivacious. The culture is really, uh, is really vibrant. And the music is amazing. But also, one thing that it also has a lot of reputational problems, Nigeria. Uh, one thing that is reputed for is, it's, it's for is Nigeria email scams. Uh, you all laugh because some point or the other, you may have seen it, you know? You may have gotten an email about something amazing that you need to really do after. So, I want to share with you my favorite Nigeria email scam that I came across, okay? Uh, so, please... Uh, just bear with me while I read to you my favorite Nigerian email scam. Subject, Nigerian astronaut wants to come home. And this is from Dr. Bakare Tunde, uh, who is from the Nigeria Space Research and Development Agency from Garki, Abuja. Uh, this is a real place because I used to live in Abuja next to Garki. So this is all real. This agency actually exists. But this is the request. I need your help. Request 
for assistance, strictly confidential. I am Dr. Bakare Tunde, the cousin of Nigerian astronaut, Air Force Major Abacha Tunde. He was the first African in space. He made a secret flight to the Salyut Space Station in 1979. He was on a later Soviet space flight, Soyuz T-16Z, to the secret Soviet military space station. Secret. Uh, Salyut 80 in 1989. But he was stranded there. In 1990, when the Soviet Union was dissolved, his other crew members returned to Earth, but his place was taken up by a return cargo. So there have been occasional supply flights to keep him going since that time, to give him food. Uh, Major Tunde is in good humour, but he wants to come home. So Major Tunde has been stranded in space for 20 over years. And the rest of the email, I won't go on, but it, goes, it, it continues on. It says, I have something important to ask you. So for the past 20 over years, we've been still paying Major Tunde. So his bank account has accumulated 15 million US dollars in back pay and interest. But this is where I need your help. I need your help because now I've discovered that the Russians are willing to save Major Tunde back from space. It, we, but we require $3 million to save him. I need your help, Mr. Joshua Chu, because we need your help to open a bank account in order to transfer the money to the Russians because we at the Nigerian uh, Space Agency cannot open overseas bank accounts. So we need your help. Now, if there was a secret space mission to Nigeria and this man lived there 20 over years, it would be a spectacular, spectacular thing. But, you know, a lot of you give me this incredulous look, like this is obviously ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. Who would believe this? But people do. And the reason why the stories are so ridiculous, I spoke to my friends in Nigeria and they say that it's ridiculous on purpose because they want to make sure that they only focus on those who are most gullible. They want to weed out people like you, you know, all these smart people in this room who would never fall for these things. They only want to focus on the most gullible. And so they use the most ridiculous, absurd stories of secret space astronauts that are stuck in space for 20 over years. And they slowly rope in. They're the only one or two people that are really, that are really gullible. So what's the point of me saying this? You know, my brothers and sisters, many times we also have been caught up in a scam because you and I are equally gullible. We're equally gullible because when we envy other people, we believe in a lie that their lives are perfect. We believe in a lie that if only we had what they have, life would be better. And we begin to put our trust in what they have. And so I'm going to cheat and read from Psalms and not Proverbs. But I think this is very important because this exposes the scam that we've all lived in. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it because this is rather small. But I'm going to read from Psalm 73. Verse 1, 
Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I, oh, I, nearly, I had nearly lost my foothold. I was almost tricked in a scam. And what is this scam? Well, this scam here is that, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I believe that they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. And this is, I'll jump to verse 12. This is what the wicked are like. They're always free of, of care and they go on amassing wealth. So this is the illusion. This is the deception that the evil one makes us believe in, that you and I have fallen into this scam. We begin to believe that other people have no struggles. We believe that they're always healthy and strong and that they're free from human burdens and that they always, they can continue to amass wealth and are free from care. This is a lie. This is a lie that when we are envious, we begin to believe in this lie that other people have it better, that things are going right. But the lie doesn't stop there, my brothers and sisters. The lie also says that if we have what they have, if only I have this scholarship, if only I have this promotion, if only I have this, and it goes on and goes forth, I will be contented. Lies. All lies. It is a deception. And soon enough, we'll begin to believe that God is not good enough for us. And what is the solution? The solution comes in verses 16. And this is very important. So if you, if you fall asleep and listen to nothing else today, please listen carefully now. Verse 16 says, When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered, entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their destiny. This is how we can be free from this deception. When we enter God's sanctuary, when we finally enter God's sanctuary, and then God's, God helps us to expose the lies that we are believing in. When we read His Scripture, when we come and share the Word of God, when we pray, when God comes and reveals the lies, when we are in the sanctuary, and not only that, when He takes away the, the, the lies that cover our eyes, when we finally see, He will also remind us that He is enough for us. And it goes beyond that. And the next part of verse, uh, I'll jump to verse 25, it says here, Whom have I in heaven but you? And nothing on earth I desire but you. When we enter God's sanctuary, it's when we can finally come face to face with God and we can ask God, God, help me that I may desire you more than anything on earth that the things that I envy after may fade away, may fade away, and I desire only you. 
That is the true and only way to escape envy when we no longer desire the things of the world but put our hope on God. So going further, I'm going to read from Proverbs 23. It says here, Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. Always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. You know what's interesting? This word zealous here comes from the same word as jealous. The word, root word is zealous, uh, zealous. So it's the same word. And what this essentially means is that God wants us to fiercely guard this fear of God, fiercely protect it as if it's a loved one. And why is this important? It's because when you're in a sanctuary, when you are in God's sanctuary, I pray, my brothers and sisters, that you may see what sin, what, ev- what envy is and the sin it is. And when you ask God, God, I have sinned before you. Help me to fear you and repent. Help me to fear you and repent and turn away from my evil ways. But there is actually... That's the promise of God, that He will help us. But there's actually a warning here. And this warning is that unless we fear God and repent of our sin and repent of our idolatry, if we continue on with our idolatry, this is the danger. So listen up. This is the danger. The danger is that if God really gives you what you want, if He really gives you what you want, it may actually lead to the destruction of your own soul. And that's the danger. At times, God does withhold from us because what we want may actually lead to greater harm. Uh, In the case of the Israelites, as I was reflecting, in 1 Samuel 8.5, the Israelites asked Samuel for a king. They asked Samuel for a king. And I'll read to you 1 Samuel 8.5. It says here, uh, this is the Israelites saying to Samuel, Samuel, you are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. So now appoint us a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. What Israel wanted was a king. Because when they looked at the other nations, they had a king who fought with them in battle, They had a king, and because of their king, they were secure, and because of their king, they were victorious, and because of their king, they were prosperous. And so, they wanted a king. And in this case, God answered their prayer and gave them what they wanted. And God said to Samuel, listen to all the people that are saying to you, it is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. And what happened after that? We all know that God gave them a king as they had asked for. But they had many, many kings that were oppressive. Many kings that led them into idolatry. And many kings that brought them so much pain and death and destruction. So this warning 
I say to you humbly, God sometimes withholds, but if we persist and ask, He may give us what we ask for. And what we are doing is actually rejecting God. So He is enough for us, but there is this danger that if we do not repent of our idolatry, God may actually give us what we want. So the first point I made today was around uh, how to overcome envy. The most important thing is to enter God's sanctuary and to see things from God's perspective, that He is enough for us. And while you're in God's sanctuary, if you have idolized the objects of envy, I pray that you will repent and come back to God and God, help me. But lastly, this last uh, promise that I have for you is this. From the same verse uh, in Proverbs, it says that, do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. So fear God. But the promise is this. There is surely a future hope for you. There is surely a future hope for you. And your hope will not be cut off. I want to just assure you that God is enough for us. And He will be faithful and there surely will be a day when the incompleteness that we have today will be made complete. Now, there's nothing wrong with the longing that you feel. There's nothing wrong with the legitimate longing that you may feel. But I want to assure you that in God's timing, He will provide. For some of us, it may be in this lifetime. And for some of us, it will be in the next lifetime. And frankly, it's not easy to focus only on Jesus uh, and not compare. As I was wrapping up this, uh, this sermon, I realized that, you know, all the disciples also struggled with envy and they also struggled with comparison. And the best example I can think of is actually Peter. So Jesus was describing to Peter the kind of death that he was going to go through. And so Peter you will be a martyr for me. And what does Peter say to Jesus? Peter looked at Jesus, but then he looked at John. What about him? What about him? So Jesus described what was going to happen to Peter. But instead of focusing on Jesus, Peter immediately turned to another disciple and said, what about him? And Jesus' reply was very powerful. He said to Peter, if I want him to remain alive until I come back again, what is it to you? What is it to you? Follow me. So, this is hard to swallow. But the Lord says to us today, what is it to you? If I give a different gift to your brother or to your sister, what is it to you if I give something else to, to another brother or sister? The Lord says to you, follow me. Don't look to the left or to the right. Follow me. So I want to just uh, end off with that to say that, you know, really to overcome envy, 
I don't have many simple tricks and solutions for you. But the real answer is that we have to enter God's sanctuary and, and realize that we are living a lie when we believe that we will be happy if only we had the object of our envy. If that is you, I pray that you will repent and come back to God and say, God, change my heart. And tell God that, God, I want to put my hope in you. I want to trust in you. I want to keep my eyes onto you and not look to the left or to the right. What you have for me is enough. Now, I want to end with a testimony, a testimony of uh, a brother called Paul. Um, some of you may know that Lydia and I uh, spent a season of our lives in South Africa. So we disappeared for four months. That's why you're, we're not here at church. And while in South Africa, we attended a church in the suburbs in, uh, in Cape Town. And as was their custom, uh, during the service, they would open up the sharing to everyone in the church and they'll pass a microphone around. And people will share their prayer requests or they'll share thanksgiving. And one day, Paul wanted to share something. And I was very curious. Oh, Paul. It was because Paul is quite unmistakable. Paul is a very, un is a very distinct chap because when you see Paul, you realize that Paul has got multiple deep scars in his, across his head, zigzagging all over his head. He was in a wheelchair and he had limited use of his limbs. And so he had to use a wheelchair with only his hand motion pretty much. And so when Paul asked for the microphone, I was very, very curious of what he would say. And so he shared, Hi everyone, I am Paul. So I'm trying to recall what he shared. I am Paul. Some of you know me. I've been attending this church for many years. I used to be the youth pastor of this church. But seven years ago, I had a brain tumor. I've gone through multiple operations. The operations and illness has taken its toll on me. I lost my health. I lost my ability to walk. I sometimes cry uncontrollably when I want to laugh because I'm not able to manage my emotions anymore. I lost my job. I lost my home. And eventually, I lost my family. I was wondering where this was going. The whole church was quiet. And Paul went on to say, but God is faithful. Through it all, God is faithful to me and has provided all I need. He has satisfied all my needs. I have a bed at night, a roof over my head. I have never gone hungry. My brothers and sisters, I say this with all, uh, with all humility, that in this lifetime, 
some, we have many legitimate longings. Our longings for health, our longings for stability, for relationships, these are real longings. So I'm not trying to downplay these longings. But I can tell you this. It may not be fulfilled in this lifetime. And our true hope, our true hope is in Christ. And the message that I got from Paul that day, you know, after that, what Paul shared, the pastor, she said that I don't have to share anything anymore. Service is over. Because the message was very clear that God is faithful. So I want to end off with this, my brothers and sisters. If you are struggling with a legitimate longing in your heart and you're asking God, your heart is envious, your heart desires for this, my promise to you is this, that God is faithful. He is faithful. And either in this lifetime or the next, He will make all things complete. And that, my brothers and sisters, will be the ultimate blow to envy. Because envy will lose its grip on us when we realize that we can put our ultimate hope and satisfaction in Christ and not of the things of this world. Let us pray. Lord, I want to pray for us today. I want to pray that you see the hearts of the many believers that are here today or people who may not know you. I want to first pray for us. For those of us who are struggling with bitter envy, you know that envy has gripped your heart not only are you longing for something that someone else has, but this has developed into something that is a, a great resentment. It's developed into something that is creating discontent. And you know that it's troubling us. God, help us to enter your sanctuary. Open our eyes and help us to realize that it is a scam. It is a lie that others have a perfect life. And it's a lie that if I only, if I have what they have, I will be happy. Oh Lord, help me to open my eyes. If this is you, I challenge you to respond. I ask that you open your palms as a sign of surrender to God. God, I surrender my life to you. Open up your palms to surrender to God. God, I surrender my object of envy to you. This relationship, this job, this security, the praises of men, I, I surrender this object of envy to you. I recognize my sin that I have idolized and created a new king, but I want you to be my only king, O oh God. If that is you, I pray that you will open up your palms and ask God, help me, O oh God. Help me to not look at other people, like Peter looking at John and saying, 
What about him? What about her? Oh God, help me to focus on to you. If that is you, I pray that you will ask God to change your heart. And there's a second group of people. You have a legitimate longing, something that is truly legitimate. God wants to assure you today that He is faithful. He will provide. And surely, there is a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. I want to pray for you. If this is you today, open up your palms again and receive God's promise that He will provide for you because He is faithful. And finally, if there's anyone here today that do not know God, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, but you want to know Him, I pray that you'll come to know this God that will fulfill every legitimate longing in your heart and will bring you hope. I pray that you will seek after this God. Come and talk to someone, the person that brought you here today. Talk to him or her and ask him or her about this Jesus Christ that is faithful, that is faithful to the very end. So Lord, Father, you see the many arms that are opened up. You see the many hearts today. Lord, I pray that you will help us, release us from this evil taskmaster called envy and help us to put our hope and our security and our significance in you so that envy may die and we may put our trust in you. We thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Service is over.
So